podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Steve Bloomers washing your independent Derby County podcast. Thank you for giving us your time after an opening weekend, which saw disappointment for the Rams in their first league outing with a home defeat to relegated Wigan Athletic. Uh, a wake-up call, perhaps, for those hoping to set sail on HMS Pista League this season. Uh, but a few positives as Paul one squad attempt to gel. So what went wrong? in Derby's opener? Uh, Do we need to consider tweaking formation or even personnel? And is Lee, the Korean Derby fan, still alive? Uh, Joining me, Chris Parsons, to answer all those questions and assess the action are Blake Fallows. It's the hope that kills you, man. We're back. Oh, just same old, isn't it? Same old. I think I I thought they'd give me at least three or four games before that. I got that crushing (laughs) feeling, but we're back, baby. Yeah, death, life, death, taxes, and so on and so on. And uh, and a welcome return to the pod. Chris Smith is here. Chris, welcome. happy to have you back again. Yeah, morning, Chris. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Really appreciate it. So how much has uh, that defeat, Chris, knocks your your sense of pre-season optimism? You're normally quite a glass-half-full guy. On the socials, yeah. I noticed. Like, are you still, uh, are you still believing? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm still believing. I think it's probably, I think it's, le- it's, it's just a reality check. I think that, um, as Blake, you know, we joke about it, but nothing's ever easy in Derby world. And uh, you know, I was doing some anti-post bets last week and talking about it. And even with Derby, I was like, win the, no, not win the league. I think we'll have kind of top six because <laughs> you just know nothing's easy and uh, I think yesterday was I think yesterday's not a kind of everything's horrific and we'll talk about the detail I guess in a second but I don't think yesterday was everything's horrific and it's all bad but yeah definitely a, a reasonably uh, sharp reality check I would suggest yeah so Derby County one Wigan Athletic two a surprisingly open opener I thought I mean plenty of chances in a game which, let's be honest, we lost due to, to textbook signs of rustiness. Uh, but Derby had more possession, more shots, more shots on target than the visitors could have had a penalty, but contrived to concede twice either side of a Craig Forsyth equaliser. Um, Blake, Paul Warren reckoned we didn't deserve to lose. Do you agree? Uh, that's a tough one. I think on the balance of play, I, I, I see where he's coming from, but when you're your biggest goal-scoring threat on the pitch is Craig Forsyth, who probably could have had a hat-trick. This, this thing's is this, probably a bit of a worrying sign. I mean, we we were creating them chances, but it was it was frustrating that there didn't seem to be anybody there to to put the ball in the net. So, yeah, we had the we had the better of the play. Um, we had more of the ball. We, we were putting the ball in the right areas, and and we'll come on to it later. But Ward really impressed me with with how he was putting them ball whipping them balls across, and I know. From talk to Craig Bryson recently, um, he said when they when they played the the game against Stoke for the testimonial that that's what Warren was banging on about: get the ball out wide, get it in the box, get it out wide. So it's it's good that we've got that, and that's obviously going to be a tactic this season. And I think they did that well. It's just did did we make enough of of what we created to 
deserve something from the game. Yeah, I, I probably on the balance of play, balance of play and and the the nature of their goals, I'd probably agree with it. But I think it's maybe slightly slightly harsh on Wigan because he came and he did a job on us at the end of the day, didn't they? And, and, and they have won and they've they've took the three points. And I don't know if there's still a little bit of frustration in me that's that's reluctant to agree with that. But on the balance of play, yeah, probably, yeah, I probably just about agree. I mean, Chris, the thing is, like, look, we can roll out a few. August cliches here like you know you don't look at the table till October whatever it's all about performances not results like it's a 46 game season blah 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 I guess the important thing is like did you see enough against Wigan to suggest that there is a pattern of play that we do have the potential to have enough of an attacking threat that we are going to be solid enough at the back like the two horrendous mistakes notwithstanding yeah I think the I think the the back line I think will be fine I think yeah the Two mistakes that can happen. Um, they, they definitely need a bit of gelling. I think there's, that was clear to see. And we definitely need a bit of organ. So, they, you know, what was noticeable was that Cashin and Nelson were bombing on quite a bit, weren't they? And uh, and obviously there was a couple of times, the, the one before halftime, where we left the back door wide open, where their captain went through whilst they made a good save. But there's a couple of things that I thought we didn't help ourselves. So the, the quality of crossing, I thought, was, was really good. And every time we got a corner... I fancied us to score. You know, I think that that was definitely an improvement. The bit that annoyed me a bit, then I, I don't know. So I went to um, I went to the Chesterfield game and I went to the Fozzy game, the Stoke one. And in that game, we played five at the back, but we played two up front. So Mendes was playing up front with Collins, and they, they, after those games, you know, people were, mm, you know, is he at position? Is he up front? But what we did yesterday seemed to be that. Collins was up front on his own and to me seemed more isolated than ever. I actually thought he played all right, by the way, so I'm not digging him out there because I actually thought he had a good game. But but then Max Bird and, and Mendes were playing kind of in a two behind him and kind of and I don't think it suited either of them. So I don't I don't think Max is a ten. I think he's, you know, obviously he can play four, but I think Warns likes him as a more of a eight and more of an up and down and you know, and you need him to be a little bit further back so he can get those balls out wide to the likes of Ward and people. Um, and I think, you know, again, I watched the clips there. And if you watch the clips, you think, oh, you know, Mendes looked dangerous. But I just thought he, he was lost at sea for most of the game yesterday to me. Mm. And I've got to say, if there's one thing that I came out of that, I'm, I'm starting to just worry where he's going to fit because, but then, because Warren clearly loves him. And we saw it last season where he stayed in the team way longer than he should have done when he was clearly running on empty and injured and then Barkhausen was sacrificed and yesterday he, to me he stayed on the pitch 20 you know Washington should have come on even before their goal for me and um, and gone and just had two up top so I think if we're going to play five at the back we, we've got to play two up front and when by up front I mean up front not because I say we cut Collins yesterday he looked more isolated than I think he ever did last season and you know that that was the one thing. The stuff out wide was great. You know that was all good. The crossing ward it was good, and uh, I think Everett Fuzzy had a decent game, didn't he? And the two lads who came on. But yeah, we, we've got to get more going down the middle. And you know, I guess they're the obvious gaps that we're trying to address. Yeah, it's not a new issue, I guess, with Mendes Lang, is it? Like because we had a similar thing last season when he he didn't. Where does he fit in a three-five-two or three-four-three mm. or whatever you want to call it? Um, and yeah, I agree with you about Collins, and he was. Picking up the ball in some quite strange areas yesterday, I thought. Like drifting quite far out wide, coming a bit too deep for my liking. But Blake, in terms of the actual action, that first goal that Wigan scored, there's not really much you can say about it, really. It is just a, a, a horrendous mistake that I'm sure, um, you know, that 
you're obviously going to say we, we just want to get out of our system at this stage in the season. But the thing is that we had four, you know, four very presentable chances slash attempts on goal before Wigan scored that goal. We had um, uh, sort of Collins had a chance himself on his left foot, and then Fozzie had a left foot drive deflected wide. Sonny Bradley had that header from close in that just went the wrong side of the post. Mendes Lang drilled one from distance that the keeper did well to save. So I think it's fair to say, and this isn't bitterness to say that, you know, the first goal and the second goal were against the runner play. Um, I know Wigan did have some some decent openings um, before they scored, but I think we were we were well on top before that first goal. And we were, I'd say, well on top around the time they scored the second as well. So it was a frustrating one, wasn't it? But on Sonny Bradley... As I said at the start, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna sort of dig him out and and rake over that particular mistake. But what did you make of his performance overall, like his league debut throughout the whole ninety? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the greatest debut, was it? I think it's really difficult for because you've changed so much of the the back three, back five, and it's it's difficult to put two cent, new centre halves in there, isn't it? And I remember, I know they've had a pre-season together, but it's never really the same until you you go out and do it properly. So. It wasn't. It, it, I couldn't really put my finger on what it was yesterday with with the defence. I, I mean, Wildsmith with the with the second, he, he doesn't come out with that confidence that he, he had at times last year. And I think he is there a bit of a miscommunication there because the header he's he's kind of Cashin doesn't go for to try and win the header, and it's and then he comes out and misses it. And it's I don't know whether it's a like like Chris alluded to. A, do we need a, to give him a few games in it? Is it just a little bit of a gelling? Is it a as he just froze under the under the pressure of a debut, but it's it's a, it's a very experienced centre half that you'd maybe expect to to deal with that better. So it wasn't the greatest debut. I mean, he showed glimpses, and he, and um, I've just watched the the highlights before we came on, and and Sean Barker alluded to it. He's had a, an exemplary preseason, hasn't put a foot wrong, and he was probably the last person on the pitch you'd expect to to do that to to do what he did for the mistake. So I don't want to dig him out too much, but it probably wasn't the greatest debut, and I think he. I think he'd be probably the first to to hold his hands up and and, and say that himself. One of our patrons, Chris, uh, referred to it as the ghost of Curtis Davis. Um, <laughs> after uh, as his last contribution at the end of last season was a undercooked back pass that led to a goal. Um, but he'll be fine, Bradley Roney, like that mistake notwithstanding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, in Huran's interview, he made the point. He said, "Look, you know, he's been around the block. He's big enough. He's ugly enough. You know that." Set- I think it's the nature of the beast. You're gonna do that and he was just on his first game I think I think he'll be fine yeah I mean again you saw you've, you've seen him from going the other way with the set pieces it's just a complete the corners now are, are completely different aren't they you know every corner now you fancy someone to get on the in fact he should he, he should have scored to be fair when I saw that header but I didn't realize at the game how good a chance that was um, yeah. have you noticed though that those yeah. those those corner set piece routines are really good and I, I love the way we sort of line up on the edge of the area and then mm. it's like <laughs> charge yeah. of the light brigade isn't it everyone steams yeah. it at once but if it doesn't work, it does leave us a bit open on the break, mm. doesn't it? Those those yeah. corner routines. So I don't know, a bit of a concern there too, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. But I, I, yeah, as I said, I think it's all a gelling down period. But I think the thing that's interesting, you know, I, I do quite like the. As I say, I think one of the obvious things. I think we're trying to do the Sheffield United thing of the overlapping centre backs, aren't they? Because Cashin, as we know, uh, it's a good ball, um, and it would appear that Nels does as well. So if they're going to be going out and giving us that extra threat. Um, yeah, they've just got to find their feet, haven't they? You know, new signings, new system, new manager. Bradley will be fine. I'm not worried yeah. about him at all. I don't really... I've watched it back a few times. I don't even really know what happens with that second goal that Charlie White scored for Wigan in the second half. Um, 
pretty regulation cross in that I can that I can tell on the highlights. And Wild Smith sort of comes, misses it. Maybe he, he needs to come sooner and get a punch on it rather than try and catch it. And Cashin doesn't even jump. Like what? What happened there, Chris? Can you break that one down for us? What do you think went well, wrong? Well, it, 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 it was weird. I mean, at the game, it was like both. I mean, to be fair, I nearly missed it at the match because I was Kane Wilson was about to come on and there was a bit of action on because we were all sort of willing for a sub because we had them absolutely on the ropes, didn't we, at that point? And um, there was a bit of kerfuffle on the bench and they were, we were trying to work out who was coming on. So it was oddly watching it. And then, but yeah, I just, um, I don't know whether kind of, yeah, Joe obviously came for it late and completely misjudged it. And I don't know whether Cashian thought that Wildsmith was going to get it, so didn't really attack it himself or just tried to sort of keep out the way because he saw Joe was coming. But yeah, it was just a, it was a class one kind of cock up, wasn't it, really? I mean, can't really say a lot. <laughs> can't really say a lot else about it. I mean, you can you can dissect it all afternoon, but I, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, as I say, I mean, the, the, the difference is that, you know, we, what we don't want, you know, if Wildsmith probably, now that he has got some genuine competition and also the genuine competition being an ex-Rotherham guy, you won't need to make many more of them before people start asking the question. It'll be and it'll be really interesting to see who's in goal on Tuesday. By the way, mm, yeah, well, that was that, that's that's what, that was the feedback we were getting on on our Discord during the game that some of, some of our patrons are saying like you know how long before Vickers and exactly that. Wildsmith can't afford to make too many more mistakes mm. like that. Um, Blake, in between that, Fozzie got his goal. Of course, um, I was trying to think earlier. He must. How many separate seasons has Fozzie scored in now? Like it must be. He must have scored in most seasons he's been here, and that must be. That must be at least seven, eight, maybe nine seasons. That's he's great. Like, That's he's like great our, he's like our Ryan Giggs. I'm sure that's not a comparison he'd particularly appreciate in light of recent news, but uh, <laughs> it's um, <laughs> how many we're looking at. I think he scored in thirteen, fourteen, didn't he? And I reckon he scored in most seasons between that. I should have googled that before we started, but. Um, the thing I found amusing, Blake, was that the one that he scored was probably most difficult because he had one that Ward absolutely stuck on his left foot from about three yards out that he put straight at the keeper. And then another almost identical one that he managed to contrive to put in the keeper's arms from about two yards out. And then one about seven, eight yards out on the volley, he smashes in the bottom corner. Decent finish, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. I mean, um, Mick, who I sit next to, said if you could have chose someone on the pitch for that not to fall to, <laughs> it'd probably been fuzzy. But um, he's, he's done it so many times when he's arrived at the, at the far post. And if you look at the highlights from yesterday, if you look back at all the chances, you might get a few this season arriving late if he's if he's going to be playing in that in, in that left wing back kind of role. And because he arrived late for for so many and unmarked, and um, I can see him getting seven or eight this season if he's, if he's playing week in week out. I'm going to make a prediction now. I was going to say ten then, but I thought that's that's uh, that's outlandish. But um, I can see him getting a few this season. I, I really can. If he's going to be playing and, and arriving late, and like you said, he had he could have had. I mean, he had the shot that was deflected. And we didn't get the corner that looked like it might have been on target, and then the one that from the brilliant ball from Ward that Collins just didn't get a toe to, and it kind of fell to him at the the far post again, and he didn't really anticipate and. I tell you, on another day, it would have been a three-nil Derby County victory and a Craig Forsyth hat trick. That's yeah, you're, not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Look, Chris, it is a bit deflating, obviously losing on the open day, but uh, now we've all slept on it. I think we can agree. Look, there were decent signs, as you said at the start. Like I thought, Joe Ward looked particularly promising. I mean, when we signed him, we got some feedback from Peterborough fans who said, "Look, he only produces one decent cross in ten. He's like uh, an absolute bog standard League One player." Um, I mean, it must have been four or five crosses that he put in absolutely on the money. 
against Wigan at the weekend. Um, so I think he was a definite plus. And Kane Wilson as well. How good did he look in the early stages as well? Like he looks like he's really got really got decent feet for uh, for someone who's sort of quite tall. And so I'm not quite sure how he, him and Ward will fit into the same team. But there were definite plus points despite the defeat, weren't there? Yeah, it wasn't it it, it wasn't a catastrophe yesterday at all. You know, it was it, obviously it was crushingly disappointing result, but it wasn't a horrendous performance. It wasn't like you know the. Um, you know, I mean, we both their goals, you know, we, we gave them and it wasn't, as I say, it wasn't like we didn't do, you know, somebody done their own work on us and turned us over. You know, I mean, Bray was joking about it there, but, you know, another day we could easily have won that game 3-4-0 and, you know, kind of no one would have said it was an unfair result. You know, it was just, I think it was just one of those days, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it's the cl- cliche, isn't it? You, uh, you know, you give it 10 games till you really form a view of what it looks like. But I didn't think yesterday was a, it wasn't a debacle, you know, or, you know, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh my word, you know, we've, we need another eight players or anything like that. I think, you know, we're in the world of probably needing a couple of three players, which we knew before we kicked a ball. And, you know, there's probably a few little tweaks and a bit a bit more gelling down to do than we probably thought there was. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I'm not overly concerned. And, yeah, you say that there were certainly positives. As I say, the, the the whole crossing and set-piece thing, I mean, the amount of crosses we put in the box was outrageous, wasn't it, yesterday? And, you know, as I say, if we keep doing that, or we just will score goals, you know, there's just no two ways about it. And, again, especially when you get two strikers up front, um, and again, I know we're going to talk about this in a bit, but if if we can get one of these sort of target men type chaps who we we seem to be chasing, then um, you know if you get Smith or Rhodes in there, that might be you know again you you're just going to score goals, aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah, disappointing then. Uh, but look, we're still above Wigan in the table, and that's the real quiz. So um, <laughs> look, a two-one defeat. But you know there was one person who thoroughly enjoyed himself. We all know who that was uh, Derby's <laughs> South Korean super fan. Korean Lee, um, <laughs> we we're talking about how much time we can dedicate to talking about this absolute legend on uh, on the podcast today. I feel I should set out the context of this because it's easy to forget that not all Derby fans are on Twitter, and it is a bit of a an echo chamber at times. And and this lad has has basically made his name on Twitter. But look, he's a, a Korean Derby County obsessive in his early twenties. I think he's a, a, a law student over there and I think Blake I, I don't know how or why he be, he, he ended up being, becoming obsessed with Derby was it just during the pandemic was it was that the situation I can't I, I can't remember to be honest it was it was about that time I can't remember the exact reason I remember arriving on the scene and very quickly uploading highlights as they happened and it became very yeah. popular doing yeah. that didn't he <laughs> and he still does that now so all credit to him but uh yeah he's this 21 year old Korean lad who's been planning his, his first ever trip to England and to Derby for a very very long time has been tweeting about it a lot and this weekend he made it over and by all accounts he had a, he had the absolute time of his life didn't he basically um I mean he had looking at his tweets by the end of the day he'd had 10 pints two Jaegers <laughs> a tequila he'd seen Derby losing the rain he complained about the UK's public transport and then had a Nando's and passed out in his hotel room he's, uh, he's had he's had the full traditional English day out hasn't he Blake yeah, I, I saw him in the yard uh, after the game. So what time did I... I shook his hand uh, as he, he shook every single person in the yard's hand. There must have been 150 people in the in the yard post-match. And it's no exaggeration that he went round and shook every single person's hand and introduced himself. And bowed, um, didn't he, he said as well? Yeah, he bowed and, and shook hands. And it was it was quite... like It was a lovely but surreal experience because... So, obviously... so polite, even though he was clearly absolutely steaming. Brilliant. <laughs> 
Well, when I was there, to, to set the context, I was with a group of Chad lads that I know. Obviously, I'm from the area. I was with Phil G having a pint. So I had to introduce him to Phil G and then explain to him what a Phil G is because I think it's a bit before <laughs> his time. Yeah. Um, and then this group of Chad lads um, had taken him under his wing. And I mean, I've drank with Chad lads in, in my rock and roll days, but this poor lad was kind of in at this table going pint for pint. Honestly, every time they went, it was in the, it was in a round with them. And then at one point he just got up and he shook the hands and he walked and he and God bless him he wobbled out of the yard and <laughs> and and headed to Nando's. I think I looked at his Twitter and then he and then obviously he was being recommended other places in Derby to go. But just um, <laughs> what just it was just incredible. It was so surreal because you had the Irish supporters group in there as well. So Niall Horan's dad Bobby was in there and I did look round at one point and think. There's a lad there that's travelled from South Korea. There's a group of people over there that have come over for the day from Ireland. It's just, what a football club. <laughs> Are you slightly disappointed in a way, Chris, that you didn't end up in, in Derby's foremost uh, massage parlour to later on in the evening? <laughs> yeah, I, I did worry for him. When he, you know, what is the bubbles you think he put on his, <laughs> yeah, on, uh, on, uh, his Twitter? But yeah, I mean, what, what, what a guy. And I, mean, I saw the pictures of him kind of, um, I mean, fair play to him. You know, he's got his shirt on, his scarf. And he's got his Korean Rams flag and he's doing the bounce with the drummer. Do you see that video in the concourse? Yeah. Not seen yeah. that one. Yeah. So he's in the he's in the concourse singing twenty one points and everything. And uh yeah, I just I mean what a guy. <laughs> it has to be said, yeah. like genuinely, like because we we're like a yeah. decent medium sized club, but we don't have that huge uh, element of like foreign international fans who come over for like a weekend to watch a game mm. in derby so this sort of fans like, like 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 lee are quite a rarity for a club like us aren't they but i just found it just really wholesome and heartwarming how much the fan base sort of took them to, to their hearts um and genuinely like i you do wish don't you that there were more people with his like dedication and like open-mindedness to new experiences don't you blake yeah, I mean, you can't knock him because, I mean, I, I, I love an experience and a, and a life memory as much as anyone, but to get on a plane at, at his age and go halfway around the world on your own and, and just go and just take it all in and go, he's going around. I know he's going, like we mentioned before, come on, going to Scotland. He's been in London and come to watch Derby. I mean, fair play to him. It takes some um, takes some courage, doesn't it, to to get on a plane like that and, and just introduce you. I mean... I was thinking about this yesterday. The equivalent is me flying across the world to watch a Korean team, go in all these pubs, shake everyone's hands, like introduce yourself. I mean, fair play to the lad because it takes some to to go and do that. And he's flying the flag for Derby, isn't he? So we can't knock him. Chris, if the shoe was on the other foot, hypothetically, I know this is quite difficult and obviously you're you're sort of married and you've got grown up kids and everything. But if you were his age and you somehow supported a random sports team on the other side of the world... Would you do what he did back in the day? Yeah, not at 20, I don't think I would. <laughs> not on my own either. You know, I think that's that's the other point. You know, if it's like kind of, if there's two of you, I know this is a weird thing to say, and I, you know, and I love my own company, by the way, but so I'm not that guy. But, um, you know, to go to the other side of the world to watch sport, as you say, on your own, and he's like, he's planned it all, because he's been planning it all, any for weeks and things. And, you know, I mean, again, you were saying there, Blake, about, you know, just the, I mean, and he just rolls into the Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is intimidating enough for like if you're from around here never mind from uh, a 20 year old from Korea so he rolls into the Neptune and he's just within five minutes he's doing selfies and Jaegers and you just can't knock the guy you know it's uh but the other thing I, I thought was I, I just like about this whole thing and is that 
you know, he's he's obviously a, a top guy and he's he's soaking it all up. And but I, ju- I just, you know, there's been a few, you know, with Twitter, you know, everyone's horrible on Twitter, aren't they? At times, there's always somebody who drags it down. And uh, you know, he was getting a bit of beef on here about his Burton ticket, and it's just it's just nonsense. And um, so, I, I, as you, I think you said something, Chris, about it, it was just heartwarming seeing everybody kind of just being nice to him. You know, just from a pure human angle just nice, him going nice to him, but also yeah no one's making nice fun him, of him trying to, but trying to kill him with alcohol at the same yeah, time everyone's buying him beers everyone's having a laugh with him no one's you know everyone's just giving him a bit of respect but having you know making him having a top day and uh yeah i just i just thought the whole thing was awesome and just like you saying we were saying off air weren't we before just kind of following the his twitter feed yesterday was it was almost the highlight of the day <laughs> <I think. laughs> it, was, it was awesome and i think we were all really i think we you know it was a communal kind of cheer sort of uh sigh of relief when he tweeted that he was back in his hotel room <laughs> yeah well i've got an update for you this morning and uh, the morning after the night before i did i was hoping he would send us like a cheeky voice note when he's absolutely hanging out his ass this morning um but um he can't do that because he still hasn't got his voice back from the game yesterday <laughs> god bless him um but he is alive um and i don't really blame him to be honest i can barely string a sensor together after five pints let alone 10 so um he's he's here he, he's all right he should make it to the Pirelli next weekend um but he wasn't fit to tell us how it all went unfortunately but Lee absolute credit to you uh now look for the break uh a cheeky mention for our Patreon loads going on on at the moment because this month as well as your your bonus content you can join us on our discord where there's loads going on there you get your welcome pack in the post for signing up and you can even try before you buy with our new free trial feature. But this month's bonus podcast was something a little bit different, um, where we tried a new series called Rams Mastermind, Blake Smirking, because he was uh, right in the mix on this one, where we were looking to find the Derby fan with the best trivia knowledge of the Rams. So uh, here's a little taster of listener Pete Lee playing the Articulate Round with our very own Blake Fallows, where we had to name as many Derby County players as he could in 90 seconds from Blake's clues. And the category was luck of the Irish. Check it out. Articulate round, Pete Lee, your 90 seconds starts now. Uh, was captain of the club for a long time, left under a bit of a cloud. Um, yeah. Came through the academy, was signed at 16. Jeff Hendrick. Uh, current Derby centre-half, um, also came through the academy. Uh, Cashier. Uh, winger from uh, a uh, season before last, uh, very quick, built strong. I, I can't. I think he's gone to um, an Italian club now. Um, pass. Number five. Who are? Oh. Uh. Um, I'm trying. To, I thought that was, I thought that was going to work then. Um, oh, Pumka. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, recently left. Recently left the club. Um, another academy prospect midfielder. Um, Quite small. It's oh. just recently, recently left in the last few weeks. Oh, I'm blank. Go on, next. Um, known for his long throw-ins. Roger that. Uh, another current player, centre midfielder, great left foot, good from set pieces. Kurahan. So there you go, Blake. I can see you uh, sort of visibly cringing there at some of the. Uh... But that's the thing with articulate. It is. It's, it's really hard when the spotlight's on you. Um, but I thought credit to you. You did. You did pretty well. But we're going to do a few more there, aren't we? If we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just the amount of erms in there. It sounded like Nigel Clough. That's why I took my headphones off for a minute. Then it's the um, um, um. That was just making me like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Who, who was the winger? 
Festi Ebersaley. Oh, right. Okay. The uh, right back. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> It was it's a winger. A... We turned him in in the typical Derby County fashion. It was a winger that we turned into a right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I love you, you, know. you did right there, Blake. Like just saying yeah. he's incredibly fast, and we sold him to an Italian club. I thought, I thought you gave him enough there, but so I wouldn't put that one on you, Chris. If you were to go on Derby County Mastermind, what would your specialist subject be? Do you think? Oh, that's a goodie. Uh... The life and times uh, of Bobby Davison. Yeah, no, maybe, uh, maybe eighty six, eighty seven season. Um, okay. Jim Smith, Bold Eagle season. Yeah. That, that season. I was, yeah, I did every game bar one. And my claim to fame is that's the only season I did every single game, home and away, bar Stoke at home. And the reason I didn't do Stoke at home is because I was watching Oasis in Paris. Well, there you that's go. A, I'll uh, give you that. That's a pretty solid reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll stick your name on the list and maybe yeah. we can. Uh, get you on to challenge Pete's unbeaten title. But uh, look, to sign up on Patreon and support the podcast, head over to patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers washing to find out more today. Hi there, we County fans. I'm Branko Struper. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop. Hi, I'm Mart Poob. And you are listening to Steve Bloomers washing. Martin. Low. And again. Delivers with his weaker foot. Patterson. Martin! Out of the wilderness, onto the score sheet. Chris Martin may well have salvaged Derby County. The most unlikely of points here. So... Look, we alluded to it a bit in the first half there, Chris. And uh, yeah, I don't think any of us are saying after that one defeat that we need a whole new squad. We've spent the whole summer building this team and Warren's got his own players in, but we are still a bit light up top. That's that's obvious. Um, and everyone knows that uh, Warren is working on that. There's, it seems to me, three possible names that we could get in for an extra, uh, an extra front man. Uh, you're looking at Jordan Rhodes. He's one we talked about on our Patreon pod. We... We thought we had ITK knowledge that that one is definitely happening, but then there were rumblings that he uh, didn't turn up for a medical, so we don't quite know what's going on there. Um, so you've got Jordan Rhodes, more than 200 career goals, let's not forget, but only eight in the last two years, and he hasn't actually hit double figures for anyone since uh, 2015, 2016. Uh, then you've got Martin Waghorn, of course, who obviously held in a lot of affection by quite a large number of Derby fans, uh, was at the game against Wigan. So it looks like he's almost certain to join. I think, I think I saw a picture of him even in like a club trackie outside the ground um, at the weekend. So yeah, it looks like he's coming, but again, his career has gone a bit off the rails since he left Derby two years ago. And he's only scored three goals in more than 50 appearances for Coventry and Huddersfield in recent years, since leaving in 2021. And then the more recent one, um, which I hadn't actually heard about until you made me aware, Chris, was Michael Smith, which I think the Mirror first reported. Uh, this six foot three striker in the Paul Warren mould, of course, and uh, bagged more than fifty in four years playing for Warren at Rotherham. So the exact sort of player that he knows and likes and wants. And we've apparently made a loan bid for him. Uh, but would Sheffield Wednesday let a player like, like him go? I think I saw that he wasn't in their squad against Southampton in their first game. But three options there, Chris. Um, which one of those do you think we'll end up with? 
Well, I don't know if you guys have heard the postmatic. So I listened to the, uh, you know, the postmatic. Obviously, I don't can't hear it at the time because we're at the game. But I've listened to the podcast this morning, the postmatch one, and Warren pretty much said that Waggy's done. So if you play that back, um, I think I think you'll find Waggy will probably be announced today or tomorrow. So I think that's that's done. And and we were saying at the game yesterday with that weird five. Um, two, two, one. He would have actually been perfect to have been sat behind, um, you know, kind of Collins as a sort of a shadow striker, if you like, as a much better in that role, I think, than Mendes. So I think Waggy's come in. I, I'm not anti that at all. Solid player. And I've liked him when he was here. I thought, you know, in terms of if he was our marquee signing, you might be a bit, mm, but as, as part of a rotating four, I definitely, I think he's good, you know, good value. He knows the club. He lives around the corner. I think I think his boys in the academy. I think as well. And um, so yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, I think of the other two. I, I don't know really. I, I think we're more likely to get Rhodes than Smith. Um, I mean, again, the there's been a, a bit of noise where he was coming, and then I, I had the same things as you, Chris, that he didn't show up, or there was a bit of a misunderstanding, or something got changed last minute, and Warren wasn't very happy about it. I don't think. And but then last week, some of the Huddersfield feeds it, literally on Thursday, Friday, were saying it's done. So, you know, he might appear, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know with Rhodes. I think he knows where the goal is. I don't think we, you know, we can say that. I think when you have to watch, when you talk about goals in the last few years, you've also got to think, well, where's he been? He's been a bit part player in the championship, hasn't he? Sort of. Um, so I think that kind of coming in in League One, you know, you know, he knows his way around the area. And I think what we, what we were talking about at the top of the pod was that the amount of crosses going into the box you would like to think that someone like him, um, even, you know, those classic games, 15 minutes to go, somebody's part the bus and he comes on and can win as a couple. It's, it's money well spent, isn't it? So um, I, I just think, I, I mean, I think Smith's the, the golden goose, but I, I'm really struggling to see a scenario where that happens. The only way I think we get him is because Sheffield Wednesday at the moment appears to me to be a basket case. And, you know, if... Um, Cisco Munez just doesn't like him or he falls out with him or the chairman just does something odd. You know, that's, I think our only hope there is Sheffield Wednesday doing something wild. Cause I just, I just can't see a scenario where they'd let him go and we're, we're not going to drop off a million pound on anyone. So um, yeah, I think he, he would be the golden. I mean, if you sign him, then, you know, I think we can <laughs> fire up the quattro for promotion again. But the, uh, the, uh, I think the, um, I, I, to me, it just feels like a long shot that does to me. Blake, do you agree with that? Yeah, agree hundred percent with all of that. I mean, Waghorn seems to be done, doesn't it? I think he was telling fans that he was having pictures with yesterday outside Pride Park that it was done um, and he was signing. So exactly the same as Chris. Am I anti it? No. Does it excite me? Not really. But yeah. it, it's it's one of them that it's it's a body and it's an option, isn't it? And um, yeah, it, it doesn't particularly get me going, but it, it's another option. The Rhodes deal, I stuck my neck out on the line on a Patreon episode, didn't I? And, and kind of said I thought it was done. And I think these things are always complicated when Neil Warnock's involved. So um, I think there's been a few complications, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jordan Rhodes come in. I'm not going to stick my neck out on the line, but with Rhodes... He just gives you that extra, the goal scoring option, isn't it? It's the out and out kind of goal scorer that you you need. I mean, his record doesn't mm -hmm. suggest that in in recent seasons, but he's just a natural finisher, isn't he? If you, you look at his goals when he was bagging four a game and, and stuff like that, it was he's just a he's a natural goal scorer. And it's just Smith, how much he wants it, though. I think, doesn't it? Because like, you just have to ask yourself, like, what can Paul Warren get out of Jordan Rose that 
Neil Warnock couldn't last season. Although I guess the, the main point for all of this is that he's dropping down a level and he will get more chances. He will get more space. He will get more opportunities. So like even a Jordan Rhodes that is only half asked about playing and isn't, isn't 100% fit will probably still get probably a dozen goals in League One, wouldn't he? You imagine? Yeah. And maybe if you look at it, that he's he's been in the championship and had four or five years where he's not been at his best. Could Warren go to him and say, come down, drop down to League One with Warren's man management style, come and rebuild your career here, come and get 15 goals from me this season, get Derby County promoted. And then you're back, you've had a good season, you're back in the championship. You, you can sell it to him like that, can't you? Here's an opportunity to come and get back to your best. And that, that might be motivation for him to to come and, and... Because you don't you don't know, I mean, you take it player by player, but maybe he, he doesn't want to just pick money up and be on the bench in the championship. Maybe he does want to get out scoring goals. He, I mean, I'm, I'm being the uh, ultimate optimist here and, and judging footballers uh, with, with a glass half full mentality, but maybe he does want to come and, and prove himself and, and score some goals. It's a, it's a good opportunity and coming to a club like Derby, I mean, it's a cliche, but he's going to be playing in front of 30,000 at Pride Park and yeah. it's it's better than being sat at the bench at Huddersfield, isn't it? Come and play in front of 30,000 and go and score some goals for me. It's the ultimate motivation, isn't it? Yeah, I think I agree with Chris. Like, I think Smith is the one I want most, but also the one that's least likely to happen. Um, but as I say, the disclaimer on all of this is that something probably will happen in the next couple of days. So uh, as ever, the last five minutes of discussion will probably be partially or completely out of date by the time people listen to this. But <laughs> that's the nature of, uh, of of what we do. So we'll see what happens over the course of the week. Um, I guess... Maybe there'd be money to spend if somehow we end up losing Max Bird. Although I think I speak for the majority when I say I hope that doesn't happen. Um, the uh, Lee Curtis from the Derby Telegraph reported that Derby knocks back a derisory, I love that word, Blake, derisory bid <laughs> from Hull City for uh, for Max Bird. Um, I don't think he said how much it was, but where do you stand on that one? I guess the thing is for me, you don't want to lose him, but on the other hand, every player has their price um, and it would ultimately be up to Bird as to whether he, he, he fancies playing, linking up with Rossini again and playing in a higher division, albeit for a team who I don't necessarily expect to be competing at the top end of the championship next season. Um, but if we do lose Max Bird, A, how much do we get for him? B, can we spend that money at all? just off the back of what Warren said about not really being able to see much of the Jason Knight or Christian Bielik cash and see losing him at this point after the first game of the season, like who could we really get who would genuinely improve the squad? I mean, most deals that are done by decent teams have been like weeks or months in the making teams do their research. Like I'm not saying you're left in sort of bargain basement. It's like 2am in the nightclub and the lights are coming on sort of situation, but like, look, could we get someone better if Max Bird goes? How do you feel about it all? You, you Well, first things first, you're not going to get a like-for-like replacement, are you? are not going to get another Max Bird in the building. Um, it doesn't matter if you go and get two, three, four million, you're not going to get another Max Bird. So it's it's down to the, the player, isn't it? And if Derby will have their valuation of him, we've got to remember financially we're, we're, we're stable, but we're not in, in we're not flooded with cash, are we? So how many more opportunities are you going to get to meet Max Bird's valuation? It's the same with, it was similar with Jason Knight, isn't it? It's like you take the money while you can still get it kind of thing. That like would get some money for, for one of our academy products, but like get get some money back in. And I think it's just down to Bird. Does he want, do you deny him the opportunity of going and play in the championship? 
I don't I don't know if I don't know where Bird would stand on this. Um, you, you've got two kind of schools of thought, haven't you? That you try and get Derby County back up, and you go up and play with Derby in the Championship, or you, you you've had your time now with the club, and you go and you spread your wings. But if you could guarantee, if it was like you say, Chris, if it was the beginning of May and the bid came in, then you could look at it differently and maybe say, right, if, if Bird goes, we're guaranteed to go and get a Michael Smith for 300 grand or do, do you, know, you can go and reinvest the money. But at this stage, I don't think you're going to be able to reinvest. So it's a question of what's best for the player and what does he want and for the club, do they need the money? And, and is it a question of you get the money while you can and it's purely a business decision, really, isn't it? I think football-wise, you're not going to be able to reinvest and you're certainly not going to be able to find someone of Max Bird's quality to replace him. That, that goes without saying. The thing is, Chris, like fundamentally, we're losing a good player in Max Bird, a player who was captain or vice-captain, whatever he was last season. But losing him would also leave us pretty short on bodies in the middle, wouldn't it? Like, is there a situation where you can justify selling Max Bird? Well, I mean... Well, most obvious. Every player's got their price, obviously. And if somebody comes in and starts talking two million plus, I, you know, we are, as Blake just said there, we, you know, we're not on our arse money-wise anymore, but we're certainly not flush. And I think it's difficult there. And as soon as he turns around, and again, if Max turns around and says, "Well, actually, I quite fancy it," because he knows Racine, maybe if it's Hall, obviously he knows Liam. You know, he's got a bit of familiarity there. He's not stepping into the unknown. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're short in midfield anyway. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm with Blake all the way. I love Max Bird. I think he's brilliant. I think he's arguably our best player. And um, I think if he left now, you know, you'd like to think the recruitment team are sitting there with a list of ten people to replace him. But you, well, you can't. Well, what would happen? I can tell you exactly what would happen. You, as Blake said, and I agree with this hundred percent. You're never going to replace him with anyone with that t- the same type of player. So what you're probably going to get is a couple of probably you'd have to replace him with probably two if not three league one kind of rats who are just going to run around box to box and just run around i mean i saw one thing i did see with the whole thing there was one somebody i don't know if this is true but somebody was talking about ryan woods coming the other way um remember him the ginger guy and i think rowett paid like six mil for him when at one point when he was at stoke um but I think that's the sort of player you'd see coming back. But again, clock, the clock's ticking, and whether you can, whether you'd replace him in that time, and then you've got another couple of players to gel in. I, I think it'd be bad. I, I, there's not many, um, you know, short of somebody paying something nuts for him, where you think, well, actually, we've got five million, which is not going to happen. I, I just don't see any happy ending with Max leaving at all. Yeah, all I'm just hoping to avoid is some is his horrendous deadline day scenes and sort of uh, shades yeah. of Gregor's Gregor's Raziak and Tom Huddleston and that sort of jabang. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I'd like to think we're not in that situation of having to do that anymore. We don't have to sell him, so I think fundamentally it is up to him basically. Um, so look, I think we're going to leave it there for now. Burton next in the league. You both going? Yep. Yep. Uh, which one of you uh, is going to get a selfie of Korean Lee first? That's my question. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the lookout. I'm definitely on the. I'm definitely on the lookout for him. I haven't met him yet. Blake's met him already. Uh, you have to get. You have to get near him first. He'll probably be like, uh, you know, some sort of minor celebrity and probably forming a queue to uh, get a selfie of this kid. It'll be amazing, won't it, Blake? Yeah, yeah. I think. I think he did suggest he's going to the cricket, so he might actually be there today. But I don't know which. I think we've got two home games this week, Derbyshire. But maybe if he's going Edinburgh in the week, maybe it's maybe he might be there today. Uh, that might be. It might be less of a queue at the cricket. 
Uh, I hope you can bat. You might get a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Good shout. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens next week. And uh, yeah. yeah, look, cup game in a week. In the meantime, to get back on track for the Rams before that trip to the Pirelli. Hope you boys have a good time there. Hope Korean Lee has a good time there and the fans who've got a ticket for that one. But uh, Chris Smith, pleasure as always. Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, cheers, Chris. Really enjoyed that. It was really good fun and uh, yeah, always a pleasure. Cheers, Blake. Yeah, cheers. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, Chris's. Thanks for joining us. On to the next one. See ya.